This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Open that Bible, if you will, to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're in a study of the book of Acts. At this rate, we will be done in 2033. So uh, <laughs> sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh, I don't know when we'll get done. I guess when my heart feels full enough to think, I think we've got it. But here's what we're trying to get on the screen behind me. History comes home. History meaning the 2,000-year-old story, the gospel of Jesus, comes home, 2981 Bomar Road in your heart. That This story that is a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus, comes to roost in my home. Meaning that the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago should have impact and change upon my life. Right now and today. So therefore, it has to be more than just a story. And we've been looking at that. It's more than just an, a historical event. It's more than just a story. It is an ever-present, ongoing reality. The things that Jesus has done for you and I at the cross that Ryan was talking about during communion is a present reality for me and you today. Meaning it should influence the way I live as a man. It should influence how I treat my wife as a husband. It should influence the kind of legacy I leave behind for my daughters that serve him. And it should also be a reflection of his resurrection to every person that meets me. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down and keep it on your phone. This phrase, because this is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about reflections of resurrection. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago is to be a certainty today in your life. You are to reflect His resurrection power. Here's what we've been looking at, just to catch you up if you forgot or you're here for the first time. We're looking at two basic ideas of Christianity. First is the organic side on the left. I've been using this as my organic side. And then on the right is the organized side. The organic side of Christianity is your very own personal responsibility. It's your faith in Jesus and the way it displays itself in your life. And then over here we've been using this as the organized side of Christianity. And it is the thing we refer to as church. The thing we refer to as I'm going to church today to worship with other people. And this becomes this organized thing that may have the attachment called religion. This over here we would call personal faith. This over here we would call religion. This over here is how I live with Jesus, and this over here is where I go to church. Both of them are necessary. To have a reflection of Jesus Christ on the planet, you have to have both of them. If either one of them is weak, the whole system suffers. If the individual responsibility of you is weak, then the or corporate organizational side will struggle because weak believers will make for a weak family. You have to have both of them working. Because when you come into an organized side, God puts you in a family and you say, Why? Why do I need church? Why can't I just sit at home, read my Bible, watch Christian TV, and fall in love with Jesus? 
you can. That's the, that's the organized side of faith. You can sit home and watch Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, your favorite preachers, Stephen Furtick. You can YouTube video all day long, read your Bible, pray in the Holy Ghost, sit at your breakfast table, drink your coffee, and read your favorite scriptures. And you will reap and, and have a good benefit because of that. But you will never fully display what God wants you to display only having a love relationship with Jesus on an isolated individual family level. You were called by God to come into the organized side as well because it's only within the organized structure that you truly recognize the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Why? Because in the organized side of Christianity, you will meet people that tick you off, hurt your feelings, stab you in the back, and do you wrong. And you're going to have to learn how to apply the blood of Jesus into this new group of we call family. It's easy to get along with me. I rarely bother me unless I lose my keys. And then when I lose my keys, it's somebody else's fault. I rarely bother myself. I listen to the music as loud as I want to listen to it. I love bluegrass, and when I'm in the car, man, the bluegrass music is wailing away. But when I get other people in the car, I have to apologize for bluegrass. I'm so sorry I offend you with my banjo playing. It's the same way with my Mexican food. I dearly love Mexican food. Why? Because it's cheap. That's the only reason. It's cheap to take a family of 92 Every time I go eat, I have kids and then all of their friends. It's just cheap eating. You get free chips. You can fill up and not even have to pay a dime. But, but you know, every single day, Justin, wave at us. Justin over there is my Mexican friend. And I'll tell you why he's so tight with me. He not one time has ever made fun of me eating Mexican food. Praise his holy name. We probably eat Mexican food eight times a week, and God is a good God. And he never whines, he never complains. But when I eat with other people, I have to apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I like Mexican food so much. I guess we'll go to Fabiano's and supper. Right? Corporate. Because corporate gathering will do one thing that individuality will not do. When you're an individual worshiping God, you don't always pick out your weaknesses. But when you're with a group of people, you will tell real quickly what irritates you. Over there, you will smell like a rose. Over here, you will smell like an onion. Because it will expose you. It will expose how narcissistic you are, how selfish you are, how into you you are. And God needs both. Now, and this is not my point this morning. I'm going to hang over there. But I want you to understand why I'm passionate about both of them. Here's what I believe why both are necessary. Jesus said this out of his own mouth. He said, let me sum up. Now, this is brilliant. Only God could do it. Jesus, I'm going to sum up 66 books of the Bible in one sentence. You talk about a cliff note. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Anybody want to finish the rest of it? And love your neighbor as you cannot even fulfill the basic commandment of Jesus if you're only by yourself. You have to have a neighbor. I'm not talking about a family member. Family member, this is bad English, ain't your neighbor. 
Come on, you you family all day long. We got to get along with each other. But my neighbor is the person I don't have to get along with, and I can ditch them, and I can I can befriend them. I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's organic. But I love my neighbor as myself. That is organized, and it plays itself out in my life. So I'm going to be teaching on this as we grow together because my goal is to slowly move us from this individual side to this corporate because when we get it here and we apply it here, you'll turn a city upside down. Literally, I literally believe that. We call it revival. I believe that is true. Historically, there's revival, right? But I believe it's just supposed to be daily reality. We just have to get it. So I want to talk to you about fixing, I'll just say us. And by us, I mean individually. Because when we come together, we bring the individual nature into the equation. We bring our hurts into it, our disappointments, the last preacher that did me wrong, the last church that I didn't like. We just bring our personalities into it. Did you like the music today? Meh, maybe. Oh, I loved it. We just bring that to it. We bring it's too hot, it's too cold in here, the fans are too high, it's too crowded, it's too long, it's too whatever. That proves that even in the corporate side, the individual me will always be there. And and so the question becomes, and this is the hard part, how do I take the individual mark with all of my likes and dislikes? Like, if I could come and do worship, if, if I was in charge of it, I would do bluegrass worship, and three people would show up, right? the banjo players, and Robin said, yes, amen, that's right, and I wouldn't come. I also, Justin and I talk, I love black gospel, so I'm always listening to black gospel in my car, right? See, we all have different flares of what we like. Like, we can't come together and do jazz and funk and country, and that's just what you got to get on your individual side. But when we come together, we have to lay down the me to pick up the corporate we so that we can enter in, whether it's country-sounding, hip-hop-sounding, whether it's very laid-back, acoustic, it doesn't matter. I've come together with my brothers and sisters to give God the glory, and I will lay down my personal opinions of the style music I like because I didn't come for style. I came to get with God's people to bring glory to my daddy. And right now they're playing a song I don't like, but dear God, I don't care. I'm with the people of God, worshiping God, and it's not about my preferences anyway. It's about heaven's agenda. See, that's what has to happen. So sometimes in the corporate world of church, i got to stir myself up because the individual me is not that excited. I was tired. I slept late. I got up. I spilled coffee on me. A baby burped on me. uh, But you have to stir it up. Now the question would be this. Could God in his godness have an answer that would both fix the individual and make... Now watch, because this is important. Mark 12 is where the text is. I think Mark 12, 31, 32, 33 is is the text, love the Lord God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. How can I have a common denominator so that self, 
I have to love myself. And I have to love my neighbor as myself. How is that possible without it being narcissistic? We, we just live in a generation that's totally selfless. I don't know. How can I love me? Because how I love me determines how I love you. So if I'm constantly beating myself up, putting myself down, making fun of the way I look, making fun of my belly, my hair, not liking who I see in the mirror, having to put filters on everything because I don't like the way my double chin looks, my armpits sweat, whatever. Can I really come over here and love someone else the way they need to be loved? The answer is no. You can only love people to the degree you love yourself. And if you say, I can do that, you're lying. You're just doing it with walls put up because you'll never let them know the real you. Because you can't let them know the real you because you don't even love the real you. That's why you fake it so much. You don't want anybody to know you smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. You don't want anybody to know that you lose your temper at the drop of a hat. You don't want anybody to know you're struggling with porn. You don't want anybody to know that you and your wife are threatening divorce. So here's what we do know. We are perfected individuals at faking the thing we call church because I don't really know how to love self. I know how to cover it up. I know how to put makeup on self. I know how to smile when I come in the door and go, brother, sister, hallelujah, amen, and use all the religious words. But to love yourself, here's the common denominator. Acts chapter 1, that was the intro. That was a long intro. Whew, man, it was kind of good. I kind of thought so myself. <laughs> Acts 1 verse 7, this is Jesus. He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. Everybody say, but. Here is the common denominator for this thing called church working. You will. Not might, not could, not if you think about it, if you're born in the right denomination, go to the right church. No, if you believe in me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be, not you might be, you will be my witnesses. You will be. Both of them, I mean, pretty, those are pretty powerful words. You will receive and you will be. Like this is not even an opinion. When you believe in me, Mark, you will receive. And when you receive, you will be. So I understand the only way this individual Mark works with the corporate people that I call church is the power of the Holy Spirit working in all of us. Because here's what I know. I'm not called to expose you. I'm not called to fix you. I'm called to love you. And the way it works is when we love each other in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, He will peel the onion away when He needs to peel the onion away. And I usually find when I'm worshiping with other people, over here I smell great. I mean, I just smell good over here. Like, man. I just smell, me and the Lord are tight. I get over here and my onion smell comes out. You irritate me. You get on my nerves. You bother me. I didn't want to talk to this person, that person. They said something to hurt my feelings, whatever we do, right? And all of a sudden it's like rip. You're like, man, something stinks. And it's you. 
It's me. We're the stinky ones in this relationship. So Jesus says this, and I want you to just look at the screen a moment. He says, you will be my witnesses, and you will receive power of the Holy Spirit. This is what I mean by being a reflection of resurrection. Now, the, the third line down, the word witnesses, this is typical, what we would think in our brain place. Witness. Hey, man, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, do you know Jesus? Or the dude that stands on a street corner holding the sign, turn or burn, you're going to hell. Or the person that's constantly throwing tracks out to people. Or the person that's constantly in the mall food court tapping people on the shoulder. If you died today, do you know where you would go? That's kind of what we think when we think witness. It's that awkward moment of my life interrupting somebody else to tell them about Jesus. But this is not what that means. This is not a street preaching, track passing out, posting on Facebook, witnessing. You have to go deeper and you have to think court of law. So when you think a court of law, it is that you are an eyewitness in a courtroom that is going to validate whether or not Jesus is alive. You're a witness on the stand, not a witness in the street. You're a witness on the courtroom stand in front of the judge of the world that has come to try to judge the world in condemnation. To try to say that Jesus Christ is not who he says he is. They bring your life onto the court stand and you stand up in front of a judge. The, 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 the world judging the church. The world judging you. And you place your hand and you say, I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And then they begin to look at your life. And your life, your life, not how many scriptures you know, not whether or not you quit smoking, not whether or not you wore the right stuff or did makeup or no makeup, your life becomes a reflection. Jesus Christ is alive. How do I know? Because resurrection lives in me. In other words, if you want to know a 2,000-year-old story is still real, come hang out with me because you will meet an alive Jesus Christ living on the inside of Mark Evans. That's a weird thought, but that is the thought. The thought is that your life will be on the witness stand and you will be an eyewitness account. You say, how? I wasn't there to be an eyewitness. I wasn't there to see him come up from the grave. And I go, I know you weren't there, but the Holy Spirit was there and he dwells on the inside of you. And now the very person that raised Christ from the dead, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He will bring you up. And now I am a reflection of resurrection. You want to know if Jesus is alive? Come hang out with me for a day. You want to know if Jesus Jesus is alive, come over to my house and watch how he moves within my family. You want to know if Jesus is alive, get in the car with me and let's spend 24 hours together. I guarantee you by the end of it, you will know he is an alive God. Not because I'm going to wave a Bible at you. Not because I'm going to point a finger and pull all your sins out. But just because I carry his presence. We just sang it about his presence. You see, it's easy to sing about the presence of God. 
It's easy to do it in church, but to literally believe that every person sitting in here today, every one of you, if you believe in Jesus, you carry resurrection presence everywhere you go. That means everybody on your job should know Jesus Christ is real. Not because you wore your Christian t-shirt, just because you brought the presence in the room. So it is the Holy Spirit that reflects resurrection. Well, if I want to destroy that, if I'm the devil, like how do I destroy it? Right? Simple. I just make you think, as an individual, it's not about power. It's about just doing all your good little deeds. Work hard, be a good person, love people, retire, have a good account, leave something for the kids. That's what it's all about. And so I'll do that my whole life. And then over here in the corporate world, it's not about power. It's just about follow all of our rules. And if you follow our rules, you'll be part of our denomination. And then we can all fellowship together. Why can we all fellowship together? Because we all smell alike and look alike. Because we made enough rules to keep everybody else that doesn't think like us out. So I just make enough rules to keep the people out that need to stay out. So that everybody that worships together on a Sunday morning just kind of all look alike. We think alike, we, but that's not the goal of it. The goal is to stick us in a room, shake us all up, and we're all different. And he goes, now that is the power of the Lord. Every one of us different. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now turn to John 14 because I want to talk to you. If that is true, the Holy Spirit being a witness in me and through me, then I should be in some weird way bearing some kind of fruit. Right? You know a tree by the fruit. So, I mean, I can say all day long, I got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river. But if you hang out with me and I don't have peace like a river, I'm a liar. We saw that last week. And I think a lot of times there's stuff we say as Christians because religiously we believe it, but it's not reflecting in my life. I mean, I believe in prayer, but prayer doesn't reflect in my life. Oh, I believe we should give to those baskets, but... It doesn't really reflect. So I I just want to talk to you about are there reflections that everybody in the room, me included, should be reflecting if we claim to believe in Jesus. John 14, verse 25. This is Jesus talking again about his daddy. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, and I love Jesus leaves no doubt about it, John 14, verse 26, he sends the advocate as my representative, that is, comma, the Holy Spirit. Now get ready, here's where it gets interesting. He, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything. (laughs) This makes my little belly happy. He will teach you everything. What, I don't have to go to college? No, you can still be stupid. But the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Just look at it up there. He will teach you everything. And He will remind you of everything I've ever told you. 
In other words, a reflection of the Holy Spirit in my life is He's going to teach me whatever I need to know to get through life. I've said this a thousand times, but it bears true because it's meaningful to me. So if you've heard it, you just got to hear it again because to me it's very meaningful. I had my first daughter and people gave me the, whoa, God help you. Oh, she's beautiful, but wait till she gets older. Oh. And then I'm freaking out. Like month three, I'm already thinking, God, they're going to get pregnant. I know it. Oh, I'm already at 16 going, oh, God. And then people help you fall apart. Like, oh, you know, man, boy's going to be hanging out on the doorsteps. Oh, it's going to be terrible. when they. And then I got a second daughter. And then it just amplified. Oh, my God, two girls. Do you know how expensive they are? I didn't. I didn't know bras were $400. (laughs) Nobody told me that. Why can't their underwear be like, I got seven pair of underwear at Dollar General for $4. Seven pair of fresh underwear for four bucks. You go to Victoria's Secret, you can't even get a button for $4. My Lord. So, so I'm all like, oh, now I'm freaking out. Two girls and now the whole, you know how expensive they're going to be. It's going to be so hard. And then I'm thinking, well, God, i got a balanced nature. Let's have a boy. And so we had our boy, our little boy. It came out as a girl. Yeah. That was before you could transgender, right? So I just had to take what I got, you know. I just had to take what God gave me. Three girls. You're kidding me. All right, we, gotta, we weren't even trying for number four. Number four was just we should have went bowling, but we didn't. She's like, oh, that was a great sermon, and we should have went bowling. That was not what I needed to hear. And then we had our fourth girl. So now I have four girls, and I'm I'm the only boy in the house. And you talk about estrogen everywhere. I mean, I just start kind of turning feminine. I cry at everything. I sit down to go to the bathroom. I mean, I just, (laughs) girls, listen, in my freak-out mode, how... Because I really wanted to be a good dad. Like, I don't want to be a bad dad. I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to be a screamer, a hollerer. I, I genuinely wanted to be a good father. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Everything. And when my daughters were about four and five, six years old, I said to the Holy Spirit, I'm really nervous. I think I'm going to blow it. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be a good dad. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'll help you if you'll listen. What? He will teach you how to be a dad? Oh, yeah, everything. He will teach you everything. I'm sure most moms in here go, if you'd ask him, he'll teach you how to be a mother. He'll teach you how to be a wife. He'll teach you how to be a husband. I just don't know if I gel with my wife. Well, quit trying to gel with her. Gel with the Holy Ghost, and he'll teach you how to love her. He'll teach you how to jail. He'll teach you everything. And the weird thing is you, you feel like you don't believe that. You're like, yeah, that's just way out there, man. You're, you're just, Ugh. come on. You Google how to get along with my wife. Google how to raise all women. Ooh, I need delete, delete. If you Google, if you believe Google answers everything, Could not the Holy Spirit teach everything? So don't act like you don't believe it. You do believe it. You're just hitting the wrong return button. 
You're just putting the wrong info in the wrong URL. You may need to just kind of take the computer, shut it down, and type in the URL of heaven. I need help raising these kids. And he will teach you everything. Because here's what I know with four of them. Number one doesn't respond like number two. Who doesn't respond like number three. Who number four is completely different. And yet the Holy Spirit has given me wisdom as a father how to raise all of them. Why? Because he'll teach you everything. So the Lord showed me. Zero to, zero to ten years old, you get behind them. You get, in, you get in front of them, I mean. You lead from the front. Yes, no. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, you lead from the front. That's the Old Testament. Here are the rules. Follow the rules. That's zero to ten. Here are the rules. Follow the rules. That's Old Testament. That's the way God did it with me and you. Then you get to turn around at age 10. And from 10 to age 16, you get the Gospels. You stand beside them with the rules, but you love them with grace and truth. That's what Jesus did. He brought the rules down to fulfill them, but he walked arm in arm with us. And then from 16 on into 20, you just get behind them and you give them the presence of the Holy Spirit. And from 16 to 20, that is the resurrection of what Jesus did to us. And now I just stand behind my children as a father and I guide them to hear the Holy Spirit. Daddy, what do you think about dating this? Well, let's get and pray and I'll let you pray and you come back to me because I want you to hear the Spirit. Because if I don't teach you to hear the Spirit by the time you're 20, I've failed. My goal is not to keep you a virgin. My goal is to get you to hear the Holy Spirit because if you'll hear the Holy Spirit, you won't have to worry about losing your virginity. So that's what the Lord showed me when I asked Him. It was the perfect example of 66 books of the Bible. The Old Testament from 0 to 10, 10 to 16, the New Testament, and then 16 on the book of Acts, all the way out. The ultimate goal, they know the Holy Spirit. I had one of them come to me not long ago with a problem. And they said, Dad, I need you to pray for me. And they're already an adult, right? They're in their mid-twenties. Well, what's going on? And they shared what was going on with me. And I love that they shared what was going on because they didn't share with me because they felt threatened or I was going to take their phone. or They shared because the Holy Spirit goes with them everywhere they go. He will teach you everything. One of them was living rebellious uh, during their teenage years. And Robin said, I think you need to go talk to them. That means they're yours. Go talk to them. <laughs> I'm not going to mess with them. And she always says that. You need to go talk to them. So I said, okay, I will. So I knocked on the door. I went in the room. I said, hey, honey. I said, I just want to talk to you a minute. Yeah, what's going on, Dad? I said, I just want to ask you one question. Just one. I just want you to tell me the gut line truth. Whatever the truth is, you tell it. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Did you or did you not? And they said, no. I said, cool. That's all I need to know. Thanks. Shut the door and walked out. And I came out, Robin said, well? I said, well, what? She said, well, that was fast. I said, well, you told me to go talk to her. She said, well, you didn't talk long. I said, well, I asked her what she did, and she said, no. She said, she's lying. I said, well, I walked in and she told me she wasn't lying. She said, this is the truth. She said, you know good and well she's lying. I said, oh, I know she's lying. You know she's lying. But what good is it going to be for me to say, I know you're lying? I'm just going to leave that with the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit will deal with her that she just told a lie. So I sat down on the couch, I propped my feet up, and I started watching TV. About 14 minutes later, said daughter pops out of the room and comes by with alligator tears in her eyes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, did Robin just go in there? She pops upstairs and goes to talk with her mother. Comes back down with her eyes swollen. Sits on the couch and says, Dad, I lied. I said, I know. I already knew. But I needed to let you know that no matter what Daddy thinks, the Holy Spirit's with you all the time. You can't run from Him. You can lie to me, but you can't lie to Him. You can run from me and close the doors and not like me, but you cannot not like him. He will hunt you down, find you down. Why? He will teach you everything. And my daughter repented right there on the couch and found freedom. Why? The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. My other daughter was struggling with bulimia, if you know her testimony. She was throwing up. She thought she was fat. She's got this spirit of bulimia on her. And she began to just stick her finger down her throat at every meal, throwing up. She got thinner and thinner and thinner. And I'm watching her get thin going, okay, now this is getting real thin. And Robin's like, I know something's up, but I don't know what's going on. But I know something's up because she's always like about a half mile in front of me with the Holy Ghost. So she's already telling me, something's up. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, something's up, right. Yeah, right, yep, I'm in, you know. And uh, so... So I just went to God. Why? He will teach you everything. Holy Spirit, you know what's going on with my daughter. I need you to show me because I don't know. I was sitting on the couch. My daughter walked in the door and she went back to her room. As soon as she went back toward her room, I heard a voice. You've heard this story if you've been here a while. I heard a voice. Get up off the couch and go outside. So I got up off the couch, I walked outside, Robin said, where are you going? I said, I, I don't know, outside. She said, why? I said, I just feel like I'm supposed to go outside. I got outside, I'm on the front porch, I said, okay, Lord, I'm outside, nothing. I went back in, I sat on the couch. I sat on the couch about four minutes, I heard a voice again. Why? He will teach you how much? Everything. I heard a voice, get up, go outside. I thought, I just did that. I'm getting up, Robin said, where are you going? I said, outside. She said, I thought you just went out there, literally. I said, I, said, uh, I did. She said, well, what are you going out for? I said, I don't know, but I'm going out. I walked outside and closed the door, and as soon as I closed the door on the porch for the second time, I heard that same still, small voice. Whew. Oh, he's a good daddy. He is a total good father. Because on the front porch with a prayer, you know what's going on with my daughter. He said, walk around the house and look in her bedroom window. I know that sounds perverted. I know that sounds like walk around the house and look in your daughter's bedroom window. So I walked around the house and I thought, well, okay. I looked, I got right at the window and I did like this. And as soon as I leaned in, I saw her leaning over the toilet with her finger down her throat. And I heard the Lord say, that's the spirit that has been pressuring her life. The Holy Spirit knows. I would have just been sitting on the couch, but my Holy Spirit teaches me everything. He teaches me how to be a father. He teaches me how to be a man. When I'm having struggles in my marriage and we're kind of at odds with one another because we're two humans, the Holy Spirit will teach me how to be a better husband. 
not put her down, not look at her and go, you're the problem, you better change your garbage, you better get your act together because you're the reason I'm this way. No, when we're having a problem, I go to the Holy Spirit and go, Holy Spirit, you know what's going on. Is it me? Is there something in me I need to change? And this is what I heard. I heard it a long while back, long while back, 2010. I heard, Mark, I can't, golly, I can't heal your marriage if you're negative. Holy God, he'll teach you how much? I can't heal your marriage if you're negative, Mark. And on 2010 in April, 2011 of April, I prayed a prayer. Never again will I be a negative man. Never. I destroy that demonic power in my life. I will never let negativity back in my life. I will not think negative. I will not act negative. I will not speak negative. I ask you to forgive me, Father. And within one day, 24 hours, within one day of me repenting of negativity, the Holy Spirit redeemed the thing that was broken. What? Resurrection life. Maybe the reason we're not reflecting resurrection is we're going to the wrong teacher. Maybe the reason we don't reflect resurrection is we're Googling the wrong stuff. Maybe the reason we don't reflect resurrection is I reflect more of my emotion than I do resurrection because I don't even know the Holy Spirit. Nobody's even told me about Him. Nobody's even told me He'll teach me anything I need Him to teach me. And I want to end with this. Verse 27. Are you learning something? Verse 27. This is Jesus again. I'm leaving you with a gift. Hallelujah. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, the world can't give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Do you understand? That's resurrection reflection. I'm not asking you to run through the mall food court with a Jesus shirt on passing out tracts. I'm just asking you to walk around with the Holy Spirit teaching you stuff. And I'm only simply asking you, are you walking around at peace? If you're all anxious, frustrated, depressed, miserable, afraid, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's a work of the devil. Look what he said, I'm giving you a gift. Man, and this is beautiful. This is better than weed smoking. Peace of mind. Doesn't cost me a dime. I don't have to have meth for this one. Peace in my heart. I don't have to have porn for that. That is the beauty of our Father. I mean, resurrection reflects. If you just walked around peaceful, people would say, how come you're so chilled out? What are you on? You must be smoking something. No, I hadn't smoked anything, but man, I've had an experience I'd like to tell you about. You see, the one thing the world cannot do, they can cancel out Jesus' resurrection. They just simply say the story's fake. I don't believe the Bible is written by a bunch of men. But they can't cancel you out. They can't stop what's going on in you because it's your story. So let me just ask this question. Those three things today, do you reflect them well? When hell breaks loose, are you going to the Father to teach you? Or are you Googling everything trying to get the world's answer? Are you frustrated with your children? Are you frustrated at work? Is your business not doing what it needs to do? Your life not doing? Well, maybe you just need to sit down with the teacher for a moment. Just say, God, would you teach me? 
You see, I think where religion has hurt us is religion says, get up with your cup of coffee, sit down with your Bible, and do a devotion. And if you do your devotion, you'll feel better about yourself. And you will for a while until you hit 285. And that devotion is out the window. I totally forgot that devotion. But I'll tell you what you cannot get. Same cup of coffee with the same Bible. Holy Spirit, would you teach me today? Teach me what I need to know before I get in my car. Teach me what I need to know before I hang out with those people I work with. Teach me what I need to know about what's going on with my husband. I feel like he's all tense today. Something's got him bothered. Holy Spirit, show me what's going on with my daughter. She's hit high school and some things are changing. I notice, God, and that's normal. But teach me how to be a good daddy. Teach me how to be a father to my daughter. God, Robin and I, oh man, we had a rough weekend. But God, teach me how to be a better husband to her. Teach me, Lord, how to love her the way you love her. Teach me to see what you see in her. And if you do that, if you do that, I'm not saying that you're perfected, but he is the perfection. And here's what's weird about this, is he just knows your individual struggle and problem. And with every person in this room, he will bring an individual remedy. He may tell you to get up and go outside on the porch. He may tell you send your wife a card today. He may tell you pay for that person's meal in front of you. I don't know what he's going to tell you. But if you'll listen, he'll teach you. And if he's teaching you, this is a promise. If you'll let him teach you, you will be successful. You will have a successful life, a successful family, a successful children, a successful business. If you will just take time every day, Holy Spirit, teach me. And in your teaching, may I reflect a peace of mind and a peace of heart. I don't have to fix anything. I just have to know you're teaching me. And when you get to that level, you will reflect such resurrection power. Can you imagine the resurrection power when the storms blow and you're still at peace? Can you imagine what people will think of you when everything's falling apart and you got your hands in your pocket just singing, man, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. He's going to come through when nobody else will come through. And people say, how do you? How are you so calm? Well, I'm not so calm, but the calmness is living in me. Oh, you want to talk calm? It's not me being calm. I've just learned to let him live through me. And he's given me peace of mind and peace of heart. Oh, it'll change life. Stand up with me if you will. I hope that helped you. I hope it helped you. Here's your takeaway for today. Your takeaway is not another devotion. Your takeaway is not will you go home and read the book of Acts every day. Your takeaway as a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, an individual, a teenager. Holy Spirit, will you teach me? For some of you teenagers here, I was flunking out. I was not good in English at all. I was flunking out of college in English. I failed my first biology exam and I flunked my first English paper. And I thought to myself, well, I might as well just drop out. I'm not cut out for college. I came home and told my mother I was probably going to drop out. Thank God for a Holy Ghost mama. 
Because that day she took her Bible out and she sat down and she let the Holy Spirit teach me. And here's what she taught me. Son, if you'll purpose in your heart to put God first, He'll make you ten times wiser. That's what it said about Daniel. He'll do the same for you. I walked out having a teaching moment with the Holy Spirit. I stayed in college. I graduated with honors. I went to grad school. I graduated with honors. I went to grad school a third time and graduated with high honors. Why? Because I learned to let the Holy Spirit teach me. Rather than quitting, pouting, stopping, I can't afford it. I just learned to let the Holy Spirit teach me. Bow your head. I want you to reflect in your life today. Are you letting the Holy Spirit teach you? Or are you being frustrated? Are you a mother that's frustrated with your children? Chasing them around, spanking them, always screaming, mad, upset, tense. Just let the Holy Spirit teach you how to be a mother. You say, Mark, how do I do that? Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a mother. Show me how to deal with each of my children. You know their heart. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, he'll talk to you. He may give you a dream. He may show you a scripture. He may tell you to go talk with someone, another mother. Oh, but he'll teach you. Dad, you may be frustrated. Maybe things aren't going well in the home. Maybe things aren't going well in life. Come on, Dad. Holy Spirit, teach me. I've been frustrated a long time here. Holy Spirit, maybe I'm not being taught very well. Maybe I'm being stubborn. But would you teach me how to be a better husband? I've hurt my wife. I've said things that have wounded her. Would you help me be a better husband? Would you teach me how to do that, Holy Spirit? Your takeaway today is to allow the Holy Spirit to become your teacher. And you say, how? Spend time with Him every day and pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, teach me everything. And He will. He will. And you know what happens when He does? A peace of mind and a peace of heart. So Father God, I bless the house today. I bless the word we've heard today. I ask if it would sink down deep in our heart. And if you're here and you're one of the frustrated ones, maybe you're like me, you're feeling really frustrated about life. Maybe some things are broken and not really clicking on all cylinders. Our prayer teams are up here. Oh man, they'll pray with you. They'll stand with you. The thing I love about Believer's Church, we don't just pray for you and send you home. We'll lock arms with you. We'll journey through life with you. We'll help you. You need to be bold and come up when we dismiss and let those that are here pray with you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance and a prayer for action this morning. I want you to pray it after me. Holy Spirit, teach me everything I need to know. Forgive me of running to myself and other things to help me. You are my helper. Help me in my business. Help me in my home. Help me with my family. Teach me everything. And I choose this day to have peace of mind and have peace of heart. In Jesus' name. Now you shout amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. He's worthy. He's a good God. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. 
If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.